It says for us here, 16, 17 in Psalm 51. Remember, this is the outgrowth of David confession with, Saul, uh, with Bathsheba. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Tonight is the need for repentance. Now there had been, do you remember how long there had been from 2 Samuel 11 when the incident happened? 2 Samuel 12 when, who was it that came to see him? What prophet? Nathan the prophet came. How long is a year between the end of 11, we think, and the beginning of 12 when he confronts David? And it's one of the seven penitential psalms. The songs of degrees are Psalm 120 through 134. The men got all uh, 10 Hezekiah, 4 David, and 1 Solomon. They are degrees. It could be they thought when they were going up to the Temple Mount, they would stop and little, say one, a little higher, say another. One thought was that they were a next key up. They would sing each vocally, sing it a little bit higher each time. Uh, the one I really believe, since Hezekiah wrote 10, the degrees on the sundial went back 10. And I believe it really fits that Hezek, the songs of degrees speak of Hezekiah. And they added four by David and one by Solomon. And so Hezekiah, those songs of degrees, I believe, reflect his, uh, if you read them especially, uh, 121, how that he was surrounded by Sennacherib and, there, and God delivered them. So that's the songs of degrees. There's about seven or eight different interpretations if you research uh, what those mean. I think Hezekiah, since he wrote 10 of them, I believe it refers to Hezekiah's time. Uh, one man, one, a long time ago, writer said it's the, that Psalm 51 is the brightest gem in the entire book. It, it really is. Do you remember what we can define as a return to normal Christian living. What did, we, what did we define as a return to normal Christian living? Ends with the R. Revival. A return to normal Christian living. We have a revival, returning to normal Christian living. And remember there was, and we talked about Galileo and all that he faced uh, because he said the earth does not, everything does not revolve around the earth, it revolves around the sun. And we find that the world does not revolve around us. It really revolves around God. We talked about that from Mr. Brennan's pen last time. In 51.7, he says to purge him with hyssop, that little weed-like uh, plant that they would dip in water or blood and sprinkle with. And then repentance. Uh, we might define the repentance as a radical change of mind towards sin and the holiness of God. As if you're repenting, you're a radical change of mind towards sin. We would need that in our own country. Across the world, we need a a repentance, a radical change of mind toward what really constitutes sin. And so we have sort of lost that. And your outline, we see right there, we talk the meaning of brokenness, the marks of brokenness. There is a repentant spirit. There is a resigned spirit. And there is, uh, later on, there is a responsive spirit. Uh, we are to respond. David's sin affected his whole entire person in Psalm 51. We talked about that last time. I believe we're on page two already now. Then there is a restful spirit. There is, uh, we are resting in the grace of God. Uh, Brent Franklin talked about that. We are not to be prideful or arrogant. There's no need for pride, any room for pride, really. Uh, I like to quote, so many are fighting for the top and not for the towel, which will be the subject of Sunday morning's message again, the servant, a servant's heart. We find in David's Psalm in 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. 
How are we going to respond to the people in need? It's have a compassionate heart toward them. It's, it's not like we have to go and come to God with, I am so wonderful that you're glad to have me on your team. That's just the exact opposite. The opal, interesting, the opal, uh, a unique gemstone. It's called the stone with the broken heart. See, the opal is full of, I had one on my finger, which I don't, uh, it's full of cracks. And so that, when that, the, the cracks then, the water-filled cracks reflect, refract the light, and through these cracks, the opal requires its luster. It is through brokenness. If you had an opal that had no cracks, it wouldn't be bright and shiny, or whatever, it wouldn't reflect, refract light. But because of those cracks and the water in there, then it refracts, and as the brokenness, it brings out the luster. God's light, I believe, shines through those who are broken for him, who want to serve him, who have surrendered their all for God. It's not for those who feel there are no flaws or their flaws are very, very few. Number three, the maintenance of brokenness. John Bunyan said, the Pilgrim Progress writing Bunyan said, that not only is it great to have a broken heart or spirit, but it's also important to keep a broken heart or spirit. We are to keep it. But how do we do this? If there are any sacrifices which God desired or required for such offenses that David had done, adultery and murder, David would have offered them, but there were none. It's like there's no fixing of that. Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. So number one, we need to see then brokenness is absolutely fundamental to our Christian experience. If fundamental means something is absolutely necessary. If you're going to make biscuits the normal way, you have got to have some flour of some kind to make biscuits. It's absolutely fundamental. If you're going to drive your car on something other than the rims, you've got to have air in the tires or something or liquid something in there. It's a fundamental. If you're going to drive a car, I'm, I'm saying a steering wheel is pretty fundamental unless you have a little thing like you drive like that, a little like a little, like a little game piece, I don't know. But those are fundamental things. He is saying, I believe in this repentant psalm that a contrite heart is really fundamental to service. Paul, probably the greatest Christian we've ever even read about, is he said he was what of sinners. He was the chief of sinners. And he was broken over the fact that he had been the worst, the most persecutor of the Christians, turns about and being the most passionate Christian once he was saved. What a difference it was. But I believe, can you imagine though all of his life if, Without God's help, he would have been, man, I have so blown it. I mean, how many Christians have I killed and persecuted and beat up and all these different things? Now imagine, bottom of two, we're bringing our offerings and tithes to God. What does he look for first? The author, one author says brokenness. If we are not broken, we have missed the boat, page three. We have missed the primary thing. We bring songs of praise to God. What does he look for first? Does he look for somebody, oh, a flashy suit and see how high or how loud or how long-winded? That's not what he's looking for. I love when Pastor Ball said the other day, he said, how many people he has in the choir? We're not singing for the people in the congregation. We're singing for God. So if the entire congregation wants to be in the choir, it's fine with him. It's great. We're singing to God, a broken spirit. Someone has said that it's no wonder you cannot get a group of carnal believers to sing praises to God because they do not come with broken and contrite hearts. Think about that. Think about as we come with, do we simply, design, for example, music, just going to pull it out of that, music, the music, do we simply find music that tickles our ears and, and moves our feet and body, and then I'm going to bring that to God and expect God to bless that. Do you think, I think God has choices 
what he prefers, how we worship, how we sing, how, how we serve, how we talk. The power of music, Plato said, let me make the songs of a nation and I care not who makes the laws. Songs are so eminently powerful. Another person said, it's not can you sing, but do you have a song? Do you really have a song in your heart from what God has done for you? I trust that you do. We should, we should have a, a jingle about it, if you would, or just humming, or it shows us that you're in tune with God, I believe, as you're singing a Christian song around. You don't have to do that, but I think it's like outflowing of our heart, outflowing of our heart. Every sacrifice must be accompanied with a broken and contrite heart. Question nine, what do you think happens now then to the same opal if we put it in a very dark place? No luster. No luster. It doesn't have the sun, it has no sunlight to refract. It's just like very, very just unshiny. But when we have the sun, it allows the sun to flow through it. Wow, that's a beautiful opal. Same for us. If we're going to make a difference, I've started, I've had two of my first two computer classes, very enjoyable. If I'm going to make a difference, when I'm asked the same question by the same person, you know, a number of times, and finally, I, 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 how am I going to respond? I'm going to turn them off immediately if I get frustrated, if I say something unkind. And so, it's interesting, I said, at the end of the day, I said, this morning, I said, and they did very well. They didn't throw tomatoes or do anything. I said, y'all were very, you did very well today. And, she's, and one lady says, aren't you a pastor? I said, yes, pastors aren't supposed to lie. Why are you lying to us? <laughs> I said, no, I said, really, you did well. You did. And they were able to move their mice, mouse, mice around, mouse, mouse, mice around and, and do those things. And they did more than I expected even. So they truly, honestly did well. And they I had 50 minutes of their undivided attention, which for, and they started giving their ages. Well, I, I put their name on the, Joyce, it was uh, Eudora, Joyce, Sheila, Joyce, and Ed. That's my first five, we'll have double the size next time. And, I, and they start, well, I'm 77, how, I said, well, I'm 61, I'm, old, I'm a senior citizen. Well, honey, I'm 76, well, I'm 77, I don't know, I kept going down the line, I don't, I don't know who won the oldest part, but I, they were far above me, I'll just have to say. They, had more, they were more mature than I was by far. But you see, how, how are we going to respond to that? How am I going to respond? And so as we allow Jesus to shine through us, we can, we can be a good reflection of what Christ does in our lives. By the way, if we do anything good for God, it's him that does it through us, not yourselves. So brokenness, fundamental to experience. Secondly, God wants this from us continually. Hebrews 13, 15 by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Bottom of three. Think about this. Why is it so often that Christians are characterized by a lack of love and gentleness and are characterized by antagonism? We're suspicious sometimes of others and we cause division. And we're there, but that's why there's no radiance and glory of God. Because we do that. I'm just making a general statement. But it happens we do not maybe we don't begin each day by asking the Lord to use us. How, do you ask the Lord, please use me today? I'm not sure how you want to use me, but I want to be usable. And that should be our prayer every day. Lord, use me today to encourage someone. Sometimes though we start the day in a rush and we only get faster 
And we sometimes we're proud, we even sometimes can get bitter. We reap consequences because we're not people with broken hearts. Unconfessed sin will mar everything it touches, and we can carry it with us. I tell you, I've said it before, probably will say it again at some point in time. There's nothing grouchier than a Christian out of fellowship with God. You get out of fellowship with God, it's like, you can become, but you're supposed to be, supposed to be a, a child of God, you're supposed to be living for him, yes. But we spread it. Sort of like the lady who had nine children, and she's washing the lunch dishes, and she looks out her window, and all nine of her children are gathered around a mama skunk and all her babies. And she says, children, run! And each one picks up a baby skunk and runs a different way. <laughs> That's sometimes how that we share ourselves with others. It should not be the way. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble of spirit. Question eight. What part should pride play in our daily lives? N-O-N-E. None. None. Should not be a part. And I asked you this before, but it's a thought provoking. If you and I went to the mission field, would we do more harm or good? If they sent you and I, they sent us as a whole church, you're all going to the mission field for two years to make a difference on the... Would we make a difference? There's something to ask. This, I'm, not saying above, I'm not saying above anybody. I'm just saying something should, we should ask. On a visit to the Beethoven Haas Bonn Museum, an American student was fascinated by Beethoven's piano. I think I've told it before. And she gave a big, significant bribe to the guard to allow her to play it. And she played a little bit of Moonlight Sonata. Boom, 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 on it. And then she sat down. She got up and she said, Oh, Mr. Guard, sir, I suppose that all the great pianists who come here want to play on that piano. He said, No, ma'am, they do not. Paderewski, the famous Polish pianist, was here a few years ago, said he was not even worthy of touching it. And now you have played it. <laughs> George Whitfield and John Wesley were contemporary of each other. And they had some theological differences. We know that. But eventually they learned to respect one another. And one of Whitfield's followers, who obviously still held animosity toward Wesley, said to George Whitfield, We won't see John Wesley in heaven, will we? Whitfield humbly replied, Yes, you are right. We won't see him in heaven. He will be so close to the throne of God, and we will be so far away that we will not be able to see him at all. And at one point, when Wesley appeared to be near death, Whitfield wrote him and said, A radiant throne awaits you, and ere long you will enter into your master's joy. Yonder he stands with a massive crown ready to put it on your head amidst an admiring throng of saints and angels. Whitfield to Wesley. Ended up, Wesley lived and recovered, and Whitfield died first. At Whitfield's request, Wesley preached all three of his memorial services held in London. And Wesley spoke lovingly and respectfully of Whitfield and said, There are many doctrines of a less essential nature with regard to which even the most sincere children of God are and have been divided for many ages. And these we may think and let think. We may agree to disagree. So a little bit on the theology side, they disagreed but they had a respect for one another. And I had not heard the rest of that. I'd heard the first part about being so close to God, but the rest I had not heard. Brokenness is absolutely fundamental to our Christian experience, and we offer continual praise. For thou desirest not 16, not sacrifice, else would I give it. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a contrite heart. And even God, or God can take even the worst of things and yet bring glory out of them. Think about 
the child born to David and Bathsheba. Not the first one. The second one, somewhere down the line, Solomon. Solomon built the singular greatest temple ever, I believe, to God. God can take. Many years ago, there was a professor at the Edinburgh University listening to his students, and they were presenting some oral, re- oral readings. And one student rose up to do his recitation, and he held the book in his wrong hand, and the professor thundered from the front, take your book in your right hand or be seated. At the harsh rebuke, the student held up his right arm. He didn't have a right hand. And so it was deathly quiet. And so the professor went back, and with tears streaming down his face, he said, I am so sorry. I, didn't ever, I never knew. Please forgive me. Later on, that same young man, at the close of a meeting, went up to the front, and he said, you know what? I was that. He raised his arm with no hand. I was that young man, that Professor Blackie. He never would have led me to Christ had he not made that right with me. But because he did, the contract broken spirit, he had opportunity to win that young person to the Lord. Are you and I allowing pride to keep us from working, allowing God to work in our lives? What, is it, what does he want from our, our life? He wants revival. If I'm going to give you a singular definition of revival, it's this one we've been working on for a while, a return to normal Christian living. Now, normal as in what the Bible would have us to do, not the normal in our culture, because that could be a wide variety of things. Normal Christian living. By page four, are we willing to play the instrument no one else wants to play in the orchestra? Second fiddle. I mean, we always want, I want to be first chair, I want to be first chair violin, I want to be first chair tuba, I want to be first chair flute, I want to be first chair trumpet, I want to be first chair trombone, I want to be first chair whatever it is, I want to keep working up toward that because I don't want to be behind anybody else. And so, but you know, second fiddle's all right to play. There needs support. We need support. And churches, when I said churches would be much better, more effective if no one cared who got the credit for the jobs done. Now, I'm not getting general statements. You all have been helping me and working. I praise the Lord for that. Generally, though, the church, we're waiting to see the church as a whole, even the, the Christians today, we're waiting to see, well, can I get credit for that or this? Instead of just Shipping in, like I saw Sunday night, if you were here, and some of you weren't here, and it would have helped if you'd been here, but just, just doing. Alex Haley said he has a picture in his office, and we'll understand there's, and there's a turtle sitting on top of the fence post. And the caption is this, if you see a turtle on the fence post, you know he had some help. I mean, and that's, that's us. If you see a Christian living like a Christian, I'm telling you, he's got some help. And he's allowing Jesus to live his life through him. And he is not causing uh, people to question the Christian life. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased. And he that humbled himself shall be exalted. Reading those two verses before we close once more. 51, 16, and 17. The Bible says for us. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou desirest not a burnt offering, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. I'm not talking of the woe is me. I'm talking about us, all of us, being willing to serve in whatever he has called us to do. And that little prayer at the end, Lord, make us the kind of people who we already say we are. Make us the kind of people who we already say that we are. Let us pray. Lord, as, as we look at this text, we see that you... 
There is no room in the Christian's life for pride. There's no room for this, I am something, and other people are not quite as much something. There, there, there needs to be room for the servant's heart. The life motto of ABC, Appalachian Bible College, is life is for service. As Andrew mentioned a couple of weeks ago, or just last week, that they receive a towel, a servant's towel. Or we're going to talk about that Sunday morning, how that you laid aside your outer garment and took a towel and washed the disciples' feet. And you, you've done that for an example for us. I'm not saying we have to wash everybody's feet, or even anyone's feet per se. But that attitude of humbly doing what you've called us to do and serving others, life is for service. May we be about that, and may the Lord do it with the right spirit and the right heart. So, Lord, bless us now as we go our separate ways. Keep us safe, and Lord, for the many requests tonight, I pray that you meet those needs as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.